Hello and welcome back to another episode of Eyes in Region. Today, I'd like to introduce Dr. Aline Wist, ophthalmologist, medical retina and uveitis specialist based in Darwin, Northern Territory. Alina, thank you for joining me on this very first series of Eyes in Region and you are our very first female ophthalmologist is going to highlight your experiences, which uh, hopefully may provide a different lens on the matter. Um, Welcome back to Australia as well. How are you feeling being back after your stint away back home? Thanks, Sonia. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, Yeah, I pretty much just landed uh, two weeks ago, so I'm still a little bit, you know, shell-shocked at being back and it's a big adjustment but you know it's uh take one day at a time and and get back into the rhythm again so yeah it's good to be back wonderful and uh what did the family think of the time away oh i think uh, yeah my uh my husband and my three kids all had a great time overseas you know spent a lot of time with family and then I flew into norwegian and um yeah it was a it was a really great year but uh, my middle one was a constantly throughout the year complaining about Norway being cold so she's very happy being (laughs) back in the tropics (laughs) which leads me to my very first question Lena you have grown up in Norway um, and somehow you've made your way across to Australia we trained together in Sydney which seems like a million years ago but it is coming (laughs) up to 10 years actually yeah we did our race um yeah so yes I know tell me about your journey to uh, the northern end of Australia. How did you land up there? Uh, well, I um, I think I've, I've always been sort of a bit adventurous um, and, you know, liking a challenge, liking travel. And um, when I first came to Australia, I came on a scholarship to study medicine and loved it and, you know, ended up staying, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, throughout, uh, throughout my training, um, I've really sort of, enjoyed remote medicine and uh, medicine in a remote setting. I uh, spent some time working for Doctors Without Borders before I did ophthalmology and um, and found that really fascinating. So uh, once I started my training through Sydney Eye Hospital, I was really eager to um, be sent on rotation to the top end. So I sort of put my hand up for it first up and got sent up here as a first year, first term. Um, and then I've been back many times since. Um, always sort of you know loved the work um the challenges um and then I also ended up falling in love with the guy who was up here so that sort of clinched it in the end and I ended up moving here as soon as I passed my um fellowship exit exams and have pretty much stayed here most of the time since then. So your partner hails from the Northern Territory? Uh, he's uh, He was born and raised in New South Wales in Queensland, but he moved up here when he was in his early 20s. So he's been here for a long time. All right. Well, mm. that certainly makes the decision a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you have spent quite a bit of time uh, skilling up in uh, various uh, specialties that are probably quite useful now that you're up in NT. I know you started off uh, doing a fellowship in um, the Fred Hollows Foundation in Fiji and Alice Springs. And uh, then that was followed by the professorial fellowship with none other than uh, Professor Peter McCluskey at Sydney Eye with complex uveitis. Tell me how useful are these skills now that you find yourself uh, in NT with, without a tertiary institute nearby with multi-specialty access? 
Yeah, look, I, I think it's, that's a really good question, Sonia. Um, it is, I think being up here, it is obviously very remote. Uh, you sort of, you know, three to four hour flight away from any other sizable city. Um, and so you are very isolated in, I think, in the work as an ophthalmologist and the, the work up here tends to be more general. Um, you sort of get challenges that you, um, I, I guess, are more likely to try and manage uh, yourself in the first instance because you don't have the option of sending the patient to the person in the office next door. Uh, when that is said, we do have um, a great group of subspecialists that come up to Darwin on a regular basis. So we have, you know, essentially all of the subspecialists, VR surgery, you know, cornea, glaucoma, plastics. Um, we have some great, great um, specialists from Sydney and from Adelaide who come up on a regular basis. So we are very, very lucky in having that. And that provides a great sort of um, a great service to the population up here. Um, anything that is it's urgent, you know, such as, um, you know, complex traumas or retinal detachments and the like, we do send interstate. But with the traumas, we sort of, we do what we can. We do the primary repair um, and stabilize the patients ourselves before then um, sending them interstate as, uh, as required. Look, you're in a group practice at the moment, apart from being a staff specialist at the Royal Darwin Hospital. Um, what's the sort of collegiate feel uh, with your colleagues uh, I know you get a lot of support from uh, the subspecialists, which is great from uh, Sydney and Adelaide, but um, how much of a support do you get locally? Is it as uh, isolated as, as uh, you know, there's this myth that, oh my God, we're in the region, you know, we've got no one to ask, we've just got to do it all on our own, always out of our comfort zone. It's it's a fear factor, you know? Yeah, no, um, I think again, Darwin is sort of uh, done well in that there's now, uh, you know, some some part time, some full time, but there's six ophthalmologists up here now, which, you know, it's sort of gradually grown over the last 20 to 25 years from being one ophthalmologist. And now we have a group of six. So that is a great support. And we we um, use each other all the time. You know, we you know, we bring up patients, bring them to clinic and and, you know, discuss and, and uh, sort of, you know, get second opinions from each other all the time. So that, that is a really a great thing and and there is also you know a low threshold for you know discussing patients um with you know the subspecialists that come to visit us so they sort of become a, a backup on call uh, safety network so to speak for for all of us up here um and i think it's really it's a humbling experience when you when you are far away and you sort of yeah there's um, a lot of humility and you know no one's sort of scared to ask for advice or or run a patient by someone else um if you're sort of out of your depth yeah great so Pretty much sounds like uh, you've always got a friend to call and no question is too stupid to ask. Just like That's right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what are the most challenging aspects then that you find about being uh, in Darwin? Uh, well, I think, um, I mean, first thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, backed on, based on the fact that I've just been away in Norway for a year working over there and spending time with family. Um, I think the distance away from everywhere else is probably um, one of the biggest factors, the remoteness. Um, even, you know, within Australia, you know, it's a it's a long flight away from, from anywhere really. Um, you know, it's expensive, families far away, time differences, um, all those sort of things, um, you know, do sort of, um, yeah, weigh on you a bit uh, living up here. Um, in terms of... Um, of the work, I think uh, the Darwin Royal Darwin Hospital and the NT in general, um, you know, always 
there's always a struggle to retain staff, I mean, to hire staff, to attract people in the first place because it's far away, and then to retain staff. Um, so you have a bit of a, you know, there's a lot of people who come and go um, through Darwin. Uh, and that way you also sort of friends come and go. So there's the transient population in general. Um, uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, the, the lack of having subspecialists on the ground up here um, is challenging. And um, and the patients are often quite sick. The, um, the Indigenous patients, they're often young and they have heavy burden of disease, such as heart disease, diabetes and eye disease. And and um, on top of that, you have the culture barriers and the, and the language barriers when you go to communities um, for work. So there's a, uh, you know, there's lots of things that that are challenging, but then also make the job very rewarding. Um, and we do go to, um, you know, we cover in, in addition to RDH, we also cover um, Catherine Hospital and Gove um, Hospital as well. So we go on frequent trips there every sort of second week to to month. Yes. So it sounds like there's there's a few things that. Uh poses as being quite challenging but they don't sound like they're too insurmountable certainly not from what what I'm gathering from you um you know having a specialist of your caliber uh, must be such a a great uh, asset for the local community who otherwise would not have access to such uh, a great eye care uh, given your experience and expertise and the things that you've done to get yourself there but um I also understand that Darwin is a melting pot of ethnicity. So on one hand, it sounds like cultural sensitivity is high on the list if you're considering work up there, but also it's probably quite an eye-opener. And has it uh, changed the way you've raised your family and your children? You mentioned you have three children. What ages are they and how do they find living in Darwin? How have they adjusted to all of it? Yeah, I think they, I mean, my children are, are born here, you know, they they come from Darwin. So you know, to them, it's uh, that's what they know. And I think the year in Norway to them was was different, you know, and now they're back home again. Um, you know, the, the community is certainly a vibrant community, uh, very diverse, lots of different migrant groups, lots of great food, great markets. Um, and it's the sort of very laid back vibe, you know, the, the tropical weather sort of lends itself to to lowering the shoulders a bit, I think. Um, so it's, it's a really great lifestyle. It's a great place to raise a young family. My kids are three, six and eight now. And um, yeah, it's it's a very easy, easy place to live in a nice, you know, everyday, um, you know, work-life balance, essentially. Um, short way to work when you're not in community. <laughs> yeah, of course. And um, how have you set that up for yourself? So you've got that balance for your young family. Yeah, so I'm, um, you know, fortunate. I've got a a, a part time position at the at the Royal Darwin Hospital, and then I'm working part time in private. And um, I go on, you know, sharing the in the outreach trips uh, with the other consultants and registrars at the hospital. Um, and you know, the hospital is quite understanding of like there's a couple of us who have young kids um, and who can't sort of go as um, as many outreach trips um, with lots of overnight stays as some of the the older guys, um, but it's it works really well. You know, it's it's, it's a lovely balance, um, and you know, very fortunate. Feel very fortunate to to have the work here and to have the lifestyle that we have. Look, I think you touched on some really important points there. Um, there has been an article that's just been published in the Australian and New Zealand Journal of Surgery surveying 36 female rural and regional surgeons, uh, which constitutes over half the number of female surgeons in regional Australia. So this is not taking into account the ophthalmic surgeons, but 
the study found quite strongly that workplace flexibility is key to attracting rural female surgeons. And it sounds like that's very much what you're echoing um, to me. And it seems that that's already present where you work, which is wonderful. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think it's definitely something that uh, that could be done a lot better. And um, as I said, you know, Darwin also relies on, I mean, the hospital relies heavily on on migrant doctors because, it, you know, the, the hospital, you know, is always short of, of specialists and a lot of the specialists, the excellent specialists here come from overseas and they're overseas trained. But then to get through the system and to get their specialties recognized in Australia, they obviously have to often go on a pathway and spend, you know, work full time for a certain number of years, sit exams. And I find also for the female migrant doctors, that all often becomes difficult because they have traditionally a slightly different role in the family. And, um, you know, we have one one lady up here, actually, who's a, an ophthalmologist trained overseas, has done fellowships in England. And uh, she's not working in a, as an ophthalmologist up here because the, the pathway is sort of, I think, seems a bit um, much for her young family. Yeah, look, that is a real stumbling block in uh, uh, the IMG sort of pathway has been fraught with difficulty. I mean, I'm an, I'm an IMG myself um, and I came across to Australia about 15 years ago. But uh, it's certainly, certainly something to consider with regards to the regional workforce, especially in line with the new initiative from Vision mm. 2030. If we want to create that timely and equitable access to eye care, then we've got to consider a more varied and diverse workforce. And I think attracting females is, is also part of that, isn't it? And creating that flexibility is really, really important. Uh, because yeah. as you know, there's, there's only a handful of female ophthalmologists in rural areas. You know, I think we can count them, really. And <laughs> you're one of them. And I've got yeah, a, a second speaker. And um, yeah, probably a total of five, you know, which is interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. I, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, um, I'm a bit surprised, but I guess I shouldn't be. No, <laughs> you know, no. That the numbers are so low. Absolutely not. And I think that that's, you know, you touched on a few points there, the traditional roles, that partner support is just so very important. And it sounds mm. like you have that with your partner as well, because mm. if it's not there, you're not able to do what you need to do and perform as a high skilled individual. If you're thinking about the kids are wondering what's happening at home, isn't it? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. You sort of, you know, it's a really important thing to to make the, you know, everyday work and, and life and family, you know, balance, um, yeah, <laughs> function, I guess, yeah. Last of all, Nina, what would you say to the young fellows coming through considering a career in region? Uh, look, I would say it's, um, you know, I think if you're that way inclined, it's uh, if, if you enjoy the whole spectrum of ophthalmology and you enjoy being a general ophthalmologist and um you know and you enjoy not being in the center of a really big city then it's, it's a great choice um yeah it's um the lifestyle is, is really good it's it's more laid back less time in your car driving you know sitting in traffic um great place to raise kids and um you know um i, I don't see myself ever moving back to a big city while i've never got you know children i, I really like the yeah the, the lifestyle and the yeah the time to breathe you know <laughs> with the with this sort of yeah setting i like the, i like the sound of that time to breathe and with that <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll thank you very much for your time and let you get back to your beautiful children thanks no thank you thank you bye-bye bye now thank you for listening and please stay tuned for our next exciting speaker joining us in eisen region